You can save 15% or more at Amazon when you pay with Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv. You can set your own discount. 5% gets you fastest delivery, or you can set it to 30% or more if you're not in a hurry. Purse makes it so easy to save money at Amazon by buying with crypto. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv and start saving now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of September 6, 2019. The podcast that's on the pavement thinking about the government. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's schematize the news of the bogus. Another update in the saga of Craig Wright, the only man we know for sure is not Bitcoin creator Satoshi Nakamoto, and we've been covering the lawsuit he's been fighting from the estate of his late partner David Kleiman. Which is so interesting, we even saw direct proof of perjury by right. So now, not too surprising, he's lost the case and been ordered to turn over something like $5 billion worth of Bitcoin to Kleiman's estate. The two had partnered in an organization up to Kleiman's death in 2013, but Wright had claimed in court that the Bitcoin in question were his and his alone. Until legal documents from Australia were introduced to show him acknowledging Kleiman as an equal partner. So the court found against him and ordered him to turn over half of the Bitcoin Wright had been holding for the foundation. It's unknown how much that is, but it could be upwards of a million Bitcoin, which could put it at $10.8 billion at current prices. Kleiman's share of that could be $5.4 billion. According to Wright, he cannot access the Bitcoin because he put it in a blind trust, which he can't access until he gets the keys from a bonded carrier who will arrive in January 2020. He claimed he did this because Bitcoin had come to be associated with drug dealers and human traffickers, which is one more reason why crypto enthusiasts wish he would just shut the hell up. Judge Bruce Reinhardt found those statements inconceivable and ruled, During his testimony, Dr. Wright's demeanor did not impress me as someone who was telling the truth. When it was favorable to him, Dr. Wright appeared to have an excellent memory and a scrupulous attention to detail. Otherwise, Dr. Wright was belligerent and evasive. As for his claim to be Satoshi, the claim goes back to 2016 when he provided evidence that was unconvincing to say the least. All he has to do is sign something with one of Satoshi's keys, which will be trivial for the real Satoshi, but he hasn't done it. When pressed, he said he didn't have the courage. Now in this trial, he says it's because he won't be able to access the keys until 2020. That's on top of the other evidence, such as him referring to it as Bitcoin, two words, in 2011, which the real Satoshi wouldn't have done, and directly falsifying evidence, including a signature purporting to be from 2009, which was actually signed more recently, and when people pointed out he was so stupid he could have just set back the date and time on his computer and that wouldn't happen, he promptly responded with another signature, this time properly backdated, apparently with the time on his computer turned back, but using an algorithm that GPG wasn't going to support for another two years. Moreover, Wright's amateurish attempts at a proof, together with the dearth of knowledge he's demonstrated in the past, like how mining algorithms work, knowledge that would have been elementary to the real Satoshi, is just more icing on the cake. 
Really, at this point, even if he did come up with a proper signature, people would still be skeptical because it'd be much more likely he'd stolen the key somehow. The fact that he didn't do it immediately, together with his complete lack of talent in the area, coupled with the fact that we know that he's a liar thanks to this trial, means that it's pretty much case closed on the matter. are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit, and so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. Now for a bit of good news. A federal court has just declared the federal government's terrorist screening database, or TSDB, to be unconstitutional. This isn't the no-fly list, but it is the list that says if you're on this database, you can be pulled over for sexual harassment, I, I mean enhanced screening. People on the list have found themselves screened and searched for no apparent reason and often detained for hours, missing their flight. People are not notified when they're put on the list. They're not told they're on the list when they ask why they're being searched or detained. And there's no real way of appealing it. The government is also closed-mouthed about how one gets on the list. Basically, any federal agent can put anyone on the list at any time for any reason. If there is any kind of internal verification or review, the government isn't telling us about it. It's this sort of thing that causes four-year-olds to end up on the list. And no, I am not kidding about that. In the past, people who believed they were unlawfully searched or detained could go through the Traveler Redress Inquiry Program, but that was found unconstitutional in 2015. Basically, the DHS would take the person's complaint, decide what to do about it completely opaquely, and tell the complainant nothing. The complainant is not told whether or not he's even on the watch list, or even if he's still on it after the procedure is over. So what does the government say about this? The first one is an old song, one that's atonal and banal. Traveling around the country isn't a right because it isn't in the Constitution. Uh, Ninth Amendment? What about the Due Process Clause? What about the Fourth Amendment? In fact, the court ruled... The general right of free movement is a long-recognized fundamental liberty. They referenced Blackstone's statement that rights under Magna Carta included, quote, The power of locomotion, of changing situation, or removing one's person to whatsoever place one's own inclination may direct, without imprisonment or restraint. The court ruled, Inclusion in the TSDB accordingly imposes a substantial burden on plaintiffs' exercise of their rights to international travel and domestic air travel, thus constituting a deprivation of plaintiffs' liberty interests that requires some measure of due process. 
Their second excuse is even more bogus. They say that claimants don't have standing because they failed to exhaust all of their non-litigation options. But the only non-litigation option they ever had was the Redress Inquiry Program, which, as I mentioned, was found to be unconstitutional four years ago. The court ruled... DHS TRIP, in its current form, provides no notice concerning whether a person has been included or remains in the TSDB, what criteria has been applied in making that determination, or the evidence used to determine a person's TSDB status. Nor does the DHS TRIP process provide the plaintiffs with an opportunity to rebut the evidence relied upon to assign them TSDB status. Given the consequences that issue out of a person's inclusion on the TSDB, the court concludes that DHS TRIP as it currently applies to an inquiry or challenge concerning inclusion on the TSDB, does not provide to a United States citizen a constitutionally adequate remedy under the Due Process Clause. So hopefully more people will be able to fly unmolested now. By the way, keep all this in mind next time they tell you they want a national gun registry. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home. And don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Well, it looks for a while there like ransomware attacks might be on the way out, replaced by crypto mining attacks. But apparently ransomware hackers have found a new target of profitable extortion in municipalities. After a wave of cities and public agencies in Florida getting hit with the REAC ransomware, Texas now seems to be the latest target. When Lake City, Florida was hit with a ransomware attack back in June, city manager Joseph Helfenberger spoke with an underwriter at their insurer, Lloyds of London, to pay the ransom of 42 Bitcoin, which was then about $460,000. The city would only be responsible for a $10,000 deductible. That saved them a lot of money compared to the expense and downtime involved in restoring everything from backups, which easily could have exceeded $1 million, the coverage limit of their insurance. The problem is, things like that just increase the attractiveness of ransomware attacks for hackers. This month, 22 Texas municipalities have been hit with the Revil ransomware, and it looks like the same thing will be happening. Insurance will be covering the ransoms rather than the cost of restoring from backup, which the FBI and security researchers all say contributes to the profitability and spread of ransomware. As long as the hackers are being intelligent and pricing the ransom sufficiently below the cost of recovery, insurance will pay up, even though they'll only be funding cyber criminals and possibly even terrorist regimes. But as Loretta Werders, spokeswoman for the Insurance Information Institute, pointed out, the onus isn't on the insurance company to stop the criminal. That's not their mission. Their objective is to help you get back to business. But it does beg the question, 
When you pay out to these criminals, what happens in the future? Attackers say, see the deep pockets. You've got the insurance industry that's going to pay out. This is great. But it can backfire. Fabian Woser, CTO for antivirus company Emsisoft, said he recently consulted for one corporation that was hit by ransomware. After determining that restoring from backups would be more expensive and take weeks, they decided to pay the $100,000 ransom. But the decryptor didn't work. The hackers didn't restore their files as they claimed. I mean, you just can't trust criminals nowadays. What's this world coming to? It's a conflicted position for insurers. On the one hand, they have the obligation to get their clients up and running again as quickly and as cheaply as possible. On the other hand, doing so by paying the ransom might mean paying more over time as more and more hackers try and cash in. It's kind of like fire insurance paying for arson. If you do that all the time, you incentivize people to set fire to their homes and businesses. It's good to stand on principle, but principle can be costly. The city of Baltimore ended up paying more than $5.3 million to recover their data instead of paying a $76,000 ransom. Atlanta was hit with ransomware to the tune of $51,000 and ended up spending $8.5 million recovering rather than paying their attackers. So this is really a case where prevention is the best policy. Cyber audits may seem costly, but they're nothing compared to being hit with ransomware. A good set of firewall rules can stop a ransomware attack before it begins. A good policy of email use and user education can stop the main avenue of infection, email attachments. Until people start doing all of that, this is only going to get worse. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to gentrify this week's biggest bogan emitter. And this week it's the RIAA for refusing to give the courts any information about the harm their six strikes copyright alert system is preventing. The RIAA, on behalf of several music companies, has had an ongoing lawsuit with Cox Cable for refusing to disconnect the internet access of people they claim to be downloading pirated content. Even though the only thing Cox has is a claim, these people have not been in any court of law, and Cox has never received a valid court order from them. 
It's scheduled to go to trial later this year, so right now we're in the discovery period, where each side gets to demand documentation from the other. So given that the RIAA is claiming damages from Cox failing to comply with this policy, Cox obtained a subpoena requiring the RIAA to hand over whatever documentation they have about the scheme's effectiveness. And the RIAA keeps steadfastly refusing to do so. According to Cox, quote, This motion to compel concerns the production of the reports and data generated by ISPs and sent to the RIAA regarding the number of copyright infringement notices forwarded to unique subscribers on a monthly basis that were intended to allow the RIAA to assess the effectiveness of CAS over time. The RIAA says this documentation is irrelevant, but Cox, along with any sane person, doesn't seem to be able to fathom their reasoning. If they're claiming $1.5 billion in damages then the program must be effective. If the program's not effective, there can be no damages. Cox said, quote, The RIAA has flatly refused to produce any documents concerning CAS and its implementation by ISPs, claiming it is irrelevant. But the court where the underlying case is pending has already determined that CAS and how it was implemented is relevant to the Sony plaintiff's claims and, in fact, ordered the Sony plaintiffs to produce relevant documents in their possession. And the effectiveness of CAS, which was endorsed by the RIAA and many of the Sony plaintiffs, at combating online copyright infringement is undeniably relevant to the underlying litigation in light of the Sony plaintiffs' claims that Cox's more stringent graduated response was an insufficient response to the infringement notices at issue. If they want to make the claim that Cox's measures were insufficient, they need to show that their method is better. That's just basic logic. So all of that makes the RIAA this week's biggest bogan emitter. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 apiece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now let's canonize this week's Idiot Extraordinaire. And this week it goes to Reverend Dan Rehill, pastor of St. Edward Catholic School in Nashville, who, after, so he claims, consulting with the Vatican, banned the Harry Potter books from his school. He also claimed to have consulted with exorcists in the U.S., so make of that what you will. He wrote, These books present magic as both good and evil, which is not true, but in fact, a clever deception. 
The curses and spells used in the books are actual curses and spells, which, when read by a human being, risk conjuring evil spirits into the presence of the person reading the text. They're actual spells? They're not even actual Latin! I mean, a few of them are, like Expecto Patronum, I Summon a Protector, which was something someone in ancient Rome said in court when they wanted to hire a lawyer. It's the origin of the word patron. But come on, Wingardium Leviosa! Latin doesn't even have a letter W. You'd think the headmaster of a Catholic school would know that. There aren't even any spells in the Potter books for summoning evil demons. The closest they have to evil demons are the Dementors, but you're never told any spell for summoning them. Expecto Patronum, in fact, is a way of protecting yourself from them. According to Rebecca Hamill, the superintendent of schools for the Catholic Diocese of Nashville, quote, Each pastor has canonical authority to make such decisions for his parish school. He's well within his authority to act like a moron. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I misread that part. He's well within his authority to act in that manner, which is in the manner of a moron. Okay, I was reading the moron part in there, but it fits. Parents, if you're really worried about the information your children are getting from books, don't let them read the Bible because you risk conjuring the stupid. So all of that makes Reverend Dan Rehill this week's Idiot Well, that wraps up this Hey Teacher, Leave Them Kids Alone edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come to discord.bogosity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please go to donate.bogosity.tv where you can give using PayPal or crypto or subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar to get the podcast and YouTube videos early and ad-free. You can even support this podcast for free with the airtime extension. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Bertrand Russell. Men are born ignorant, not stupid. They are made stupid by education. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial Notarivist 4.0 International License. Bogosity. You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.bogosity.tv, your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.bogosity.tv now.